Hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Such a Nightmare, Conversations About Horror. As is the case for every episode, I am Catherine Troyer, and I am so excited that once again I get to be joined by Anthony Tresca. Hello there! This is a podcast devoted to thoughtful discussions about that fine line between the horrific and the horrible. Each episode looks at a specific horror text that is, for better or worse, giving us nightmares. And we are so excited to have you join us today for our episode over 2013's reboot slash remake of Evil Dead. Often this is where I begin by saying yay, but I don't I don't know if I want to say yay um, about the this film. Uh, you know, so we for those of you that have chosen this is the very first episode that you're going to listen to. Um, we've been working our way through the Evil Dead franchise and relishing the fact that each one of the original three films is is an experience unto itself, right? Like it's just a completely different beast. Certainly this remake adaptation, whatever you want to call it, reboot, is also a creature of its own device. Um, I'm just not sure it's a creature that should have been left alive. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I said this right before we started recording, but I, I said that I was probably not going to be super favorable um, or super nice when recording this episode. Because this movie made me very angry <laughs> watching yeah, so it. So what did what did you end up giving it in terms of um, your? I gave it one point five stars. Oh, that's out more of than five. I thought. That's more than I thought you would, based on how vehemently you seem to. Well, there, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple things that I really do admire and respect about this movie. Like it's de- it still is dedicated to not really using a lot of CGI. They say the director has talked about how they don't use CGI and so they had a 70-day grueling shoot in which they had to like painstakingly work out everything. That is great, obviously. Like and I I didn't know that. I didn't realize that while watching it, but that does make me respect a lot of it a little so bit. So how more. did they so did they not use any CGI for the makeup jobs? That's they, that's what they, that is what the director is claiming. They say that they're using, it was totally, yeah, everything is, they didn't use CG. Well, obviously they had to use a little, right? Because the, the thing that comes out of the, the woman's mouth, um, when it's like branch, like that was very com- clearly a computer generated image. Um, so. Except for touch-ups. Yeah, no, they didn't do, okay. sorry. They, okay. they, that is officially what the director is claiming. It's all, they only did CG for touch-ups. So okay. I well, well, certainly I will say that one of the one of the scenes that I I think was rather beautiful actually, um, because of the lack of, of CGI, was the the blood rain scene. Right? Like, Abs- I I was gonna say the same thing. I I was getting I was getting to that. You yeah. That's the other the the climax is excellent. In fact, yeah. It's beautiful, and I don't know. I don't know what it says about me that like some of my favorite scenes in movies uh, are the ones where I know that they went through 
an un, an unholy amount of, of fake blood, like in Cabin in the Woods, um, mm-hmm. when you know they're in the elevator room, right? And there's just like blood everywhere, like or Nightmare on Elm Street when they like rotate the room and all the exactly, blood is everywhere. Exactly, exactly. The Shining, right? When the blood yeah, flows but, down the hall, like yes. I really, I, I just really get uh, behind those. So yeah, they're. they're and that couldn't have been as effective if they had CGI'd that, right? Like no. it wouldn't have felt uh, as as visceral. What else did you like about this film? Well, we actually just ended everything that I like. I like that they their <laughs> dedication to not using any CGI, and I liked the climax in the blood rain. I thought that that was um, that was about the only time that the movie I think really really worked for me, and it worked for the entire sequence. I thought that seeing Mia have to like figure out how, in non-demon-possessed form, uh, figure out how to take down this the, this creature was really, really, really well done, really exciting. I thought it was equal parts just, like, disturbing, but also just, like, a little bit like, yay, look at what, she, look at what she's having to do. It's, it was fun. It was, the, it was the first time in the movie that I was having fun. Which is unfortunate because I think if if we can identify one of the key commonalities uh, amongst all Evil Dead franchise, it should be audience fun, right? Like yeah. it should be you having an enjoyable time. Which is what hits upon my biggest problem with this movie. It's that the elements that the filmmakers and the people who are involved in production have identified as being the most important parts of Evil Dead to try to translate and adapt in this in this reboot remake are not what I think are the most important parts of the Evil Dead franchise at all. And frankly, I think that the elements and that they do think are the most important are actually really not important at all. Like the this obsession with just like it's a gore fest with body horror galore. Are, are, is just unnecessary. I think you're absolutely correct. And I, I want to put put a pen in that because I think that's where we're going to spend the majority of our, our episode. So that, that, let consider me... that my thesis statement and then we will co- we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, because I do want to say there was one of your one and a half other things that I, I, I appreciated about this film. I did appreciate if this was going to be part of the franchise in a way that I, you know, like wanted to include it as part of the franchise. I did appreciate having a, a female character um, because, you know, we, we've talked extensively about the both the strengths and um, challenges of having Ash uh, as this sometimes very masculine, sometimes not very masculine figure. Um, and so as a like, what can we do? What? to contribute to the conversation of the Evil Dead franchise, I think having a female uh, lead it was one of the ways, right? For sure. Which, and yeah, it was interesting. Although it was kind it was, it was a little weird to me because I wasn't anticipating Mia being the final girl um, in the, in that when she, when she was revealed to be the final girl in that, in that final scene, it was kind of shocking to me because they hadn't really Set yeah, her up as being the final. They didn't do any of the legwork to make right. that. So, as we have seen, actually, in in one of the like few ways in which I think this film is is accidentally true um, to the Evil Dead franchise, um, the the film is very confused about what it wants from its 
primary character, right? Just like with Ash, where, you know, is he the, you know, hunky male lead or is he the like accidental survivor? Um, it depends. Um, I think you're right that, that this film, um, again, very problematically. So does manage to, to stay consistent of the like, is this victim or final girl? Um, is this the one who needs to be punished or the one who will triumph? Right. And, and I think that the, you're right, that the film needed to do a lot more work to get us there. Um, and I and I think that the fact that we get to that point of her being a final girl only after creepily her brother dresses her um, in a dress that like, why'd she have that pretty dress with her during her detox time? Right. Like, anyway, uh, th there are definitely problems with that, which is why that's only a point five. Um thing that I like. The the one thing though that I want to mention, and this is where we'll get in our sort of moment of, of scholarship, um, is that I, I do think that there was something fascinating about this idea of of using the the possession narrative as a framework for thinking about um detox, addiction, and withdrawals. Particularly not so much um like the idea that like addiction is like a demon because that's not even remotely new, but more the yeah. way that this film played with the concept of pain. So one of my uh, favorite scholars, her name is Elaine Scary, and it's only a little bit because her last name is Scary. Um, and she has a book called The Body in Pain. And I just want to read this passage because I think that um, this is what the film could have been if it had just been a little bit more. So she says, Pain begins by being not oneself and ends by having eliminated all that is not itself. At first occurring only as appalling but limited internal fact, it eventually occupies the entire body and spills out into the realm beyond the body, takes over all that is inside and outside, makes the two obscenely indistinguishable, and systematically destroys anything like language or world extension that is alien to itself and threatening to its claims terrifying for its narrowness it nevertheless exhausts and displaces all else until it seems to become the single broad and omnipresent fact of existence i think that this is what the evil dead film could have been right and we see touches of it uh, i think that you know this idea of you know is is mia haunted by something that's outside her or inside her Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, is is this um, thing that is happening, you know, like, why does it happen to everyone else? Because pain consumes everything else. Um, so I, I think that that from this framework of, of understanding sort of trauma studies um, and, and this perspective of pain and its effects and, and world making and more specifically world breaking, I think that sort of way in which the Evil Dead movie is touching on that was the part that that worked the best for me yeah i i agree with you i i also thought that that was at least an interesting idea which again i wish they had committed to that a little bit more because for large majority a large portion of like at least the second act that is just not even that they they sideline all of that Absolutely. But, and I don't think they return to it until the moment that you and I agree is the best moment, which is the bloodbath scene. That's exactly right. I agree 100%. They, like, introduce it, and they're like, this is what our movie is going to be about. And you're like, oh, okay, you're doing this in a really ham-fisted way because the script is so awful. And the, the, the words they're having all of the actors say is just 
abysmal. I cannot believe someone got paid to write this dialogue. Um, and they introduce it, and then the entire second act, the second act is basically just like, yeah, but forget about all that. It's just going to be like gore fest. And then the, the the climax, they return to it, and they remember what the movie is about, and it's really good. I just wish that like that climax had been. We could just like take that climax and then put it with a movie that makes it make sense and have that be like a really rewarding and like earned climax. Whereas right now it's like, oh, this climax is the only good scene. It's not earned it's so much as it just is good in spite of the rest of the movie that it's in. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it almost makes you feel like the, the filmmakers came up with that scene and they were like, yes. Okay. Let's get there. Right. But then instead of, actually getting there it was like they said okay i want you to write the movie and then i'm just gonna insert my negative of goldenness and we'll just make it fit like i don't know there was just you're right such a disconnect because i think i think and i honestly i would not be surprised if that's true because the only thing you need to get into that scene is an idea of what the themes are and like you're like this is how it'll end so i i would not be surprised that they built the movie backwards because you're right it just it, it feels there's such a blatant disconnect from this final scene and the really astute sense of like this, the source of horror is made explicitly clear. It is incredibly well acted. The dialogue is a lot better when it's used in the, in this final scene than everything else in the movie. And it just, it all works. And so I guess that scene, that is our kind of like, that is like the section of the film where I'm like, I understand what you are going for. And I know, and that's what make, I think makes it frustrating because you're like, I know you can do it too because you do. This scene is amazing. It's a great scene. It's just a shame that nothing else in the film comes even remotely close to that final scene. And I think the key word, because now we're going to take the pen out of your, your thesis, right? Um, is this word disconnect. It, the film just has such a disconnect from itself and from the the larger Evil Dead franchise that it's... I, I have a feeling that you and I, neither of us would have quite... We would still not think this was a good film, but we wouldn't be so vehemently upset by it if yeah. it wasn't clinging to the label um, of Evil Dead. Yeah, because I, I agree. While I was watching this, I was thinking about the same thing because my mind was wandering because I didn't think this film was very interesting. I was like... If this wasn't connected to the Evil Dead at all, and it was just like a generic horror movie, I think it would be, I would come away from it and I'd be like, yeah, that was a bad, boring horror movie. Uh, but at least the end was pretty cool. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's probably like a 2, 2.5, it's passable horror fare. Because it's just kind of a like forgettable horror movie, but it is a atrocious Evil Dead movie. So let's talk about that. Okay. Adaptation studies, um talks a lot about the fidelity right um and and that perhaps more important than than clinging to you know but his scarf was blue in the book why is it not blue in the movie is you know this fidelity or the spirit or the essence of a text and you and i have talked recently about the fact that that you've begun to have some sort of realizations about the types of adaptations that you like and that you actually like adaptations oftentimes that that depart significantly enough that it feels like it's a text in its own right rather than sort of like uh you know piggybacking on on this other text so in theory 
based on just that sort of explanation. Which I do, I do agree with. I do, that is the type of adaptation I'm finding myself more drawn to. Stay tuned for our episode on The Shinings for more. Yay! <laughs> I, I'm curious to know what, for you, it is about this, about the Evil Dead film that is breaking so fully with the this issue of the fidelity of the spirit of the franchise um, that you can't forgive it for, for, quote, attempting maybe to be its own text. I think it's because it is so blatantly piggybacking off of the originals and it is forcing you to remember that it is an Evil Dead movie and that or that it is trying to be, that it... And that is the difference and what doesn't allow itself to be its own thing and carve out its own niche niche and be its own separate thing. And a, a, an adaptation that truly is an adaptation. It's its own thing separate from the originals. But I think the constant reminders and the of like, and I mean that in from every sense, like there are, there are so many shots, like the literal shots that are just stolen from Sam Raimi, but done to in a less effective manner. Like we've got the we've got the the classic shaky cam in the woods where uh, except it doesn't look like it's on a motorcycle this time because it's more pristine. It's more mm-hmm. it's it's the production value is clearly higher on this version. Mm-hmm. They've got that same around the world shot except weirdly enough it doesn't even commit to it. It then it does half of it and then there's a cut and then yeah. it goes to just the normal shot. So and there are just moments of that throughout where it's like visually. In what the camera is doing, reminding you of what the original films are, and taking and I mean, stealing those things from the first. The script, the plot is basically the same. It's basically the same as the original, so it can't. It's not even like trying to differentiate itself in that, um, in that manner. And just again, like a lot of the imagery is the same. And so you're like, it's not. You're not your own thing. This is not an adaptation. This is your your version of the original. As you were talking and, and talking about sort of the like, the, the like taking something 75% of the way, right? And then not carrying it through. Um, it's, I, it makes me think about the fact that there is this very incorrect assumption that um, something can be better if you can smooth out all of the rough edges of the original. Um, and, and yet the result is, right, is that whereas as something that is rough around the edges has texture, or at least the potential for texture, something that's been smoothed out, I mean, it's, right, there's, it's slick, there's, like, no, no way to, to, to hook yourself in. Um, and so I think you're right, that, that one of the ways that this film fails is that um, you can tell in all of the Evil Dead, especially one and two, that Raimi was like, you know, screw it. Let's see what happens. It's going to fail, but let's do it anyway. And of course, then it doesn't fail, right? But like, he's like, let's just, like, yeah, let's get on a motorcycle and let's see what happens when I do it that way. Whereas this film um, seemed to take, it was like they had people, and they probably did, actually, um, in the production that, like, their job was to to be risk calculators, right? Like, okay, well, if you do this, that's going to cost you X amount of money and time. I don't know if that risk is, is, you know, worth the the amount of resources. So maybe we just do a partial risk. Um, And it felt sanitized. 
in in a way that a film that has a scene that can literally be called a like blood shower scene should not feel sanitized. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent because I think it it is able. It, this film, as I said, clearly has a bigger budget and clear and is clearly trying to pay respects to the original and because it's so blatantly like taking so many elements and trying to just do them again but when you it seems to have forgotten a lot it's taken out the heart of it because it just kind of feels soulless at this point it just feels hollow it's like it's the same shot but you have like perfected it so much and made it look so pristine that you have removed what made it like so interesting and compelling to watch i think that's a perfect a perfect explanation of, of what this film is lacking is is that idea of heart and and i think that goes it's it's in the it's in the script the script doesn't have heart it's in the cinematography the cinematography lacks heart it's in the direction it's certainly in the characters uh and it's certainly in most of the performances and this is something that I, I think I think films like this are unfortunately why horror often gets a bad rap in the same way that a lot of genres get a bad rap. And that is that um, it's a paint by numbers approach, right? Like, uh-huh. and, and it starts with that opening scene that drives me absolutely nutters because, you know, first off, I'm okay without maybe ever seeing another horror film with a cold opening. I mean, you know... Us aside, uh, you know, the, the, the yeah. carnival scene and us aside, I just don't, I don't need those anymore, maybe ever, but I certainly don't need ones that, um, are, if you are at all familiar with the Evil Dead franchise, are not going to be a surprise, right? Like, no one should have, have seen that teen girl and been like, I don't know why he's burning her. It's like, of course she's a, she's a deadite. But my real problem is, is the depiction of, um, I don't know, the townspeople or the woods people. I don't know what they're supposed to be. But, you know, they're all without teeth or they, they have physical scars or, you know, they're clearly depicted as a lower socioeconomic class um, and, and dirty and like, and, you know, they're otherized. Like, I, it just was like, ooh, what, what do we know um, manages to be scary? People that are different. Like, it just was so gross and not gross in a good way. And, and that, and then it was just, yeah, it was like a paint by numbers. It was like, okay, well, we have to have the caring brother figure up until the final moment where it was like, okay, well, now that we've had this beautiful, unexpected blood shower scene, let's go ahead and go back to our paint by numbers. Oh, we don't have our final jump scare. You know what I mean? And, and that's just so disappointing. Um, independent of its connection to Evil Dead, that's disappointing. But let's get back to the idea of the heart. What do you think is the heart of of the Evil Dead films um, that is absent uh, in this remake reboot? I think the heart of the Evil Dead the original Evil Dead movies is this com- absurd commitment to style uh, over all else. And it's a, a really specific aesthetic that they're going for. And it's the aesthetic is not necessarily good or realistic per se, but it doesn't matter because it's so insanely consistent throughout the entirety of the runtime 
that you just are like, I. it doesn't matter that this blood doesn't look remotely like real blood at all, because this is how all blood in this entire movie has looked so far. It's like really over-the-top, over-the-top, but over-the-top in the manner that obviously only their lower budget could do, and so I think that is really what it is. That and Bruce Campbell. Is, those are the, the that's the it's in Sam it's so it's really boils down to what I'm saying the heart is is Sam Raimi's obsession and dedication to maintaining a consistent style and then Bruce Campbell's performance and how he fits into Sam Raimi's vision of the style. I'm gonna take it a, a step further. So you said his absurd at one point you said his absurd absurd commitment to, to style. I'm gonna say that it's also just the absurd commitment to absurdity. Yes, that's um, a, you're right. I, that's a, yes. Because one of the things that I found so very frustrating about this film that I didn't find at all frustrating about any of the um, first three Evil Deads was um, the ridiculousness of, of what leads them to that situation. So in this, in the remake, it really, really, really annoyed me. Like in ways that I can't even begin to verbally express that the um the one character who was the teacher with the glasses like it, it says in blood don't read from this book aloud and he's like oh i'm going to take an etching um you know and and just happen and you know and then he just reads it aloud and it's like that is the most ridiculous thing in the world but what upsets me is not its ridiculousness but it's the fact that you're not acknowledging its ridiculousness like, in Evil Dead, the idea that a group of, of you know, college-age students would happen to get together um, and happen to decide that a good way to spend the, the evening is reading from this grody book, that is ridiculous, and the entire film makes it clear it is aware that it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and, you know, another, another difference about this remake and uh, the original Evil Dead is that, uh, any all of them, is that in the originals, the first act is so short. It's, there's barely first acts. It, it's, it just skips straight to the inciting incident, and it's mm -hmm. just like, let's get into the second act where all the fun is going to happen. Whereas with this film, it's been so, so long on the first act, setting up this events. Try, because I think it's, it's hard. It's really, it's frustrating to me that this movie is so obsessed with, like, making it re the situation realistic it seems like it's like setting like trying to like brings oh bring some realism into this and like even though we're gonna do this fantastical insane thing we've got to make it make sense and we've yes. got which is stripping the original evil dead it's it's like that it, it strips what the original evil dead is all about which like it's what you said absurd a commitment to absurdity and it doesn't need to make sense Making sense and at all tracking is not important or is not necessary to your inter to being entertained and to the fun of the of the films. Yes, the original trilogy. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. This this film, the the 2013 film, is struggling um, with a desire to to do what quote good filmmaking narrative building does, and that is to make everything have make logical sense and have a clear like sort of causal relationship with uh with the just implausibility of of the scenario and world that is evil dead so to go back to the book example um 
in in the the Evil Dead Raimi films. I mean, that book is so goobery looking, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like you look at it and you're like, of course you shouldn't read that book. But the the 2013 film, you know, made the book um they tried to make it really dirty and like covered in like real blood. And it like, first off, who is going to read a book covered in someone else's blood? Like, so like it, it, it takes, but then also like it takes this, this thing that is just so obviously goofy. Um, and, and in the original and just makes it, and then we have to like sit through that, right? Like we have to sit through this, this world that is trying to convince us that this is a plausible action that this quote real character would take. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe maybe this would have been this movie would have been more watchable if I had cared at all about a single character in this movie. Um, but every character is just so shallow and so in insanely vapid and boring. And I just don't care about any of them at all. And and the the way that they the way that they try to get you to care about the characters is so weird to me. Like, there's this whole, you know, tension between the um, Mia and her brother about, you know, the mom. But it's like, we never saw them good, so we don't care about them broken. Um, or the one that drives me absolutely, like, bonkers is the nurse character. I'm sorry. my I mean, my mom is an RN. Uh, my stepdad is an LPN. I, I believe that nurses do 90% of the work that doctors take credit for. Like I, I, but what nurse is going to think that she has the ability to detox someone because she'll quote, do the same things they do in the hospital. I don't think so lady. First off, where did you get the drugs? Right? Like second, I don't think so lady. Like you, I don't see IV bags. I don't see like, but the film tries so hard to be like, Oh no, this makes logical sense because she's an RN and because, you know, she's thought this plan through and it's like the most ridiculous plan ever. So you're right. I think there's a, this film keeps trying so hard to make us see the characters as relatable, to make us see the situation as plausible. And, and I mean, you can't do that in a franchise that culminates um with him going back to medieval times. Like you yeah. just can't do that. It Exactly. And it's just, it's really disappointing to watch them try to do that. Because what they have clearly identified, and I suppose semi-successfully done and captured about the original, is the over-the-top gore. However, however, now, what, since that is the only element that they have captured from the original, it just feels like gore for gore's sake. It's over-the-top, body-horror, disgust, disgusting Phil, but you don't really care about anything that's going on, so it's just like, it just, you, it, that, it, that, that's it, that's where it stopped. It's just like, yes, they have that. Yes. That is an element in the film. So the scene where she's sawing at herself in the bathroom, and that whole bathroom scene, right? Um, it was gross. It was certainly disturbing, but yeah. you're right. In a film that has promised us this weird like 
you know, we're going to be as close to reality as possible by giving you characters that have clear reasons for actions and things like that. You can't then say, but we're also going to have gore that is an, at an unrealistic level, right? Yeah. You have to either be absurd from start to finish, or you you can't be absurd about just the random things you pick and choose. Yeah. Because it just, I mean... It's frustrating that that is what they think is the most important part about the Evil Dead movies, and that's what they think is is why everybody likes the original, is just because it's so gory. I mean, yeah, it is a little bit. It, it is. But it's it's the gore in conjunction with how over-the-top every, everything else in this world is. How over-the-top every other character is. How, what, I mean, only Bruce, it only makes sense that Bruce Campbell, who is... You know, probably Ash is probably a crazy person for sure. Yeah. Uh, if you if you met Ash in the in the real world, he is a crazy person. Right. And but the, it, the but it, TV show plays with that nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Well, which I'm excited. I, I am excited to to see that because in this movie, when you see all the characters do that, it just doesn't make sense because you're like, I don't know if they would do that. But when Ash cuts his own hand off, you're like, Yeah, no, he would do that. This guy is unhinged and crazy to the core like this guy is not connected to the real world at all he is not thinking about the consequences or how much it's going to hurt he's just doing to do yes and the title of the the tv show right ash versus evil dead i think gets to what you said is part of the heart and that is this the 2013 film seems to think that that what what we are most drawn to is the mythos of this world this book and yes. and the the deadites yes. but really what we're most interested in is what will ash do next when put into yet another impossibly ridiculous situation that just happens to involve this book that he can't read um and and that's not mia as as good of a performance as i think the actress did at yeah. various moments in the I film do, she is one of the actresses who i am talking about who i i don't think this is her fault i think she does do as good of a job as she can with what she's yeah. given. And like I said, it's super weird um, watching this film now after having seen some of, of Zoe's extraordinary playlist, <laughs> which is all about like her singing and having, you know, like happy love moments. Um, so that, 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 that kind of threw me uh, for a loop, which again, is not her fault. Um, but Mia is not a strong enough character or quirky enough character or a, a interesting enough character for me to want to, to follow her and see what happens. And I think that's, we'll just extend that to everything. Nothing about this film is quirky or interesting enough for me, for me to want to pay attention or follow it through. And the few times that they try to introduce it, it falls so flat. Like, what is up with the dog's name? Who names their dog grandfather? Like, I'm sure that was supposed to be like a haha, it's so funny, but you can't do that if you haven't committed 150%, because that's how much Campbell and Raimi committed to the absurdity, right? If you can't go above 100%, turn it in the terms of Spinal Tap to 11, then then you might as well go home. And, and thus, I think, is really the the biggest problem. Like, you're hitting, this, is, this is hitting on, like, the big problem of this film is that as an adaptation, it fails because it's not different enough from the original to warrant this existing. And if you want to just like straight remake it, they failed to capture the spirit of the original. 
And then if you don't view it as an adaptation, it just fails as a horror movie because it's not interesting or consistent enough. And it's to, uninspired. And, it's, uh, very, and it feels very uninspired. So it fails as an adaptation. It fails as a remake. And it fails as a regular horror movie. Which, I mean, those are just... Le- that just amounts to a total yeah. failure, in my opinion. Yeah, that's really <laughs> intense. Um, but an accurate description. I know at one time they were hoping that this would be the beginning of the reboot of a franchise. Do you know... They announced originally that a sequel to this was in the works, but then Sam Brady announced that he was going to be doing Evil Dead 4. And then, and then the original director of... This Evil Dead, the 2013, is just saying that they don't really have anything official, officially to do. And now it seems like, uh, as of June 2020, that someone else, Lee Cronin, is coming in to write and direct a movie called Evil Dead Rise, which doesn't appear to be connected to this, the 2013 Evil Dead. It seems to be more connected to the others. Although I'm not, I, everything seems really tentative right now in it. In flux. I mean, I, I wish that that people would learn the lesson that claiming the name of something is is not the same as as claiming the essence of what makes it good. Uh, even in, even sequels have proven that, right? Like like immediate sequels with the entire cast, same cast, like in the Babysitter too. Um, and I, I just yeah, there is there's something Evil Dead one, two, and three even though we didn't like them all to the same degrees, are essentially lightning in a bottle. And the truth is is that you can't replicate lightning in a bottle. And if you're going to, you certainly can't remove the lightning and expect it to still be electrifying. We will eventually return back to uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, but since it's three seasons, it's taking us a little bit longer to, in my case, rewatch, and in Anthony's case, be introduced to the splendor that is um, the TV show. So we are going to return to our regularly scheduled program of picking whatever so moves us. So we're going to palette cleanse uh, from a film that made us sad to a film that continues to delight decades after the fact, and that is 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yay! The the film that began production on the day that I was born. Ugh, so excited. Um, I can't wait to have that conversation, and in the meantime... Be sure to follow our, our social medias, which are in the description of this podcast. Leave us a review and a like wherever you get your podcast from, and as always, share us with your friends. Hope you have a good day. Thanks for listening.